Game, a podcast dedicated to the Premier League, the A-League and more. Today on the show, More Than A Game goes west for the Woos' first ever A-League home game, but the glory kits stay at home. VAR does a better job at A-League vandalism than Mariners fans. And Aaron Moy picks up his first red card, despite not being the first Aussie overseas in trouble for not pulling out in time. My name's Colby, and we were supposed to be joined by Damo today, but he's also had to pull out quite late. Uh, but we do have Tommy <laughs> C, never one to dive in. How are you recovering after a big day of football yesterday, mate? Mate, it was a big day of football yesterday. And um, is, is it possible to have a hangover from just a lot of football? Or like, do you just pull yeah, up well, a bit sore, I'm a bit tired? I'm feeling that. It's, it's got nothing to do with the 30 beers I drank. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely all of the football we took in yesterday. It was uh, a mate, big day indeed. What, what stood out to you this week, mate? Look, uh, it's a... It's football related, but look, um, our away day yesterday, that's my moment of the week this week. It was the football, we'll get into the game a little bit um, later, but um, going down to, like the, Colby and I live uh, in Melbourne, and so we caught the train down to down to Geelong uh, yesterday to, to catch uh, Western United, uh, their first home game, and it, it was just a really great day. Like, I, I've never been particularly involved with a lot of the, the active support as well, and it was just great to see so many really passionate people um really embracing a brand new club and on it's kind of it's not quite their their birthday but it's kind of like bringing a baby home after um after it's been born i guess yeah there was a, lo- a lot of buzz out there wasn't there um uh, we'll obviously recap the game in our a league section and, and talk about it a bit more but yeah no it was good good to be there for that little bit of history for the club and um yeah they, they look like they they might have a bright future ahead yeah, um, we'll unpack that, I guess, uh, a little bit more when we come to to, to that match uh, and how the day went. But yeah, look, just a, it was a great day yesterday. Really enjoyed it, and I think we we agreed, both of us agreed, that we're going to head down to Geelong and catch a few more games down there. Look, I'm I'm just I'm just happy that the buzz is back um, with the A League in general. Like clubs are doing marketing. Like you've got City giving out Mombot recula, uh, uh, replica <laughs> glasses. I, I reckon you might be picking yourself up a, a pair of those later on. Well, as as long as I can get down there in time, Damo might have done a number on me so that I I can't get down there because it's only the first thousand that uh, that'll get a t- uh, get a pair. So they're going to be giving away five hundred pairs then. <laughs> Touche, touche. <laughs> uh, look, yeah, like the Knicks have signed Gary Hooper, which is uh, like a, a great signing uh, for them as well. Um, you know, Diamante's Instagram's pretty much running the A-League marketing, doing more in two <laughs> weeks than the A-League did over the entire off-season. Uh, and there's things, t- are, things are happening. Tie-ins with major international uh, airlines as well. Uh, not always positive, but yeah, Qantas were involved with the A-League over the weekend, so... <laughs> Massive. Uh, and own goals, Tommy. Um, my own goal this week is um, you would have heard about James Madison uh, during the week. He, he was originally called up to the England squad to, uh, for the Euro qualifiers, um, but had to pull out at quite late notice due to, due to illness. Uh, basically had the flu, I'm led to believe. 
And um, so, he stayed back in England, um, back in Leicester, and although uh, he was meant to be making his England de- his full England debut, so uh, a lot of his family had gone to the Czech Republic and were going to watch him, um, but when he pulled out, his, his family still went along, um, and it was revealed uh, that James Madison actually went to a casino in Leicester to watch the game, and a few people were saying, well, if he's sick, you'd think he'd be at home right um and so look for me this is a little bit of an own goal one because um yeah look it's probably not the brightest decision from james madison but also just uh, i guess uh as it's turned out he's he's um he's taken some medication and he's feeling better none of his friends uh sort of in the in the local area all his family have gone to the czech republic to 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 watch him it hasn't really worked out and he's kind of like well i still want to watch the game i'm feeling better maybe i'll go to the casino and watch it with like for some company and look at there was a, a piece in um in the Athletic by Rob Tanner, where he sort of unpacked what it's like to be a, a 21-year-old guy who basically can't go out, um, out of the house um, without being harassed by by paparazzi and so on and so forth, and and can't even go down to the pub to watch like the national team play, which Albert is meant to be playing in. But a bit of I guess a bit of a mutual own goal between both James Madison for that kind of rookie era, and also I guess just. Um, the standards that we apply to, to modern footballers, I mean, he hasn't even done anything wrong, but he's been slated all week um, uh, ever since then for basically that he's got a bad attitude. Oh, is he, is he really into gambling? Does he have a gambling pro- problem? And um, yeah, he's he's been slated for, for that. And so I guess it's a bit of a bit of a double-edged sword, this one, but... Um, that was my next question, Tommy. Whether his, um, you know, the medicine that he needed was just a couple of couple of games of high stakes blackjack. <laughs> apparently, he's uh, apparently he's really into um, into poker. Uh, he's apparently he's been playing poker for a couple of years now. His dad taught him when he was <laughs> when he was underage. Bloody hell! That's um, how it starts. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But um, yeah, just an interesting moment. Um, for, for a young player who we all think is is going to be a really big thing for England and, and in the Premier League. My own goal, Tommy, um, someone um, who, who's not quite a big thing anymore but still manages to get all over our uh, screens and Twitter feeds, it's Archie Thompson oh. just, just out there hustling for a new gig. He's popped up at uh, the, the Melbourne Victory Western Sydney game. He's popped up at the Woo game. We saw him out there in Geelong yesterday. Um, he's on Twitter tweeting weird shit. He kept calling uh, Western United Western Sydney. He's just <laughs> like, how does this bloke get work? Like, how does he keep getting work? It's a sympathy gig, isn't it? Like, I, I, I think you're right. Like, I don't know what else he would do if he wasn't involved in football. Like, he um, he doesn't appear to be like the, the sharpest tool in the shed. And like, yeah, he, he just seems like a bit of an odd dude. And yeah, he, he was yeah. Great to have when he's not football. tweeting weird shit, he's like tweeting like anti-vaxxer stuff, and it's just <laughs> it's just a circus. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good way to to summarise. I think Archie Thompson, he's just a bit of a circus. Well said. I love this. I love this league. Never change. <laughs> Tommy, we're going to catch up with uh, Andy and George uh, later in the show to uh, catch up on Premier League and and look ahead to um, some more Champions League group stages uh, midweek. But first, let's get into round two of the A-League. Got rid of one, but not kill Kenny. Here's some room for Kode again. Oh, in! Patiotis Kode with the first goal on their home deck in the A-League. What a stutter for Western United FC who lead again. By Economides. Plenty of white shirts in the box now, including Popovich! 1 1! What a moment for the teenager! 
who makes his dad, Tony, very happy indeed. It's Christian Popovich with his first A-League goal. Here's Popovich. Seconds ticking away. Final chance, you'd reckon. Trat got on the end of it. Couldn't keep the header down. And it is a draw in their first home game in the A-League for Western United. And young Popovich grabs the headlines. So uh, the Wu shared points after a Kone long bomb was ruled out by Christian Popovich, who surprised everyone uh, by proving that he could actually play football um, at Western United's first ever home game out at Geelong. We will get to the match itself in a moment, but first off, obviously, Tommy, you mentioned at the top that we... Um, that we went to this game. Um, um, tell the listeners a bit more about uh, the, the overall uh, match day experience that we had out there. Yeah, so um, we, we caught the V-line down, a little, a little bit of transport chat for everyone. Uh, we caught the V-line down to um, down to Geelong from from the city. It was quite a few people that were on the train headed down there, uh, getting on sort of around like the Tarnate and sort of that western Western Melbourne area, which that's that's basically where it's the catchment area for this Western United team. So um, lots of people uh, getting on board, headed down there as well. Got down there, walked down to uh, one of the local um, drinking establishments where we could get ourselves a, a nice ale and where also there was a lot of other uh, Woo fans and, and so on and so forth. The, the official supporters group was there and um, look, there was a really great buzz at, at the pub. Um, it was probably... Do you reckon there was close to 100 people there? Like specifically it was a big in, pub. kitted it was out a, in Woo, Woo Ki? Woo yeah, Ki? it was quite a big pub. Um, there, were, there were a couple of rooms and we were just in the sort of front bar section and, and that was packed out and they had, um, you know, they had green and black balloons and, you know, the, they had the whole whole deal going. You know, they, they did have a lot of uh, a lot of AFL stuff going on as well and there was a lot <laughs> of like racing on the TV and stuff like that. But the vibe was overall uh, very positive. It was, it was buzzing in that little pub. Yeah, and then uh, the um, the official. Uh, I think we must have been on the same train as the um, as the uh, official supporters that had like a drum and a few other things as well. So we arrived about a couple of minutes just before them, and as they came in, they made a fair racket and sort of started singing more uh, more songs and stuff like that, which again really sort of started to really set the tone for I guess like the next um, next hour or so. They're gonna um, have to build on their song repertoire though, Tommy. I think they've got about three or four songs and, and ones. <laughs> One's a one's the uh, la la Liverpool song, and one's the one's Bessart Barisha, um, which which works when he's on the pitch, but not so well when he's uh, being subbed off. Uh, but uh, what what did you make of the the march? Because we then marched up to the stadium uh, with with the with the active to sort of check it out and um, and you know fill our boots with that experience as well. Yeah, so um, like like Kobe said, we we walked from the um, the pub up to the stadium, which is probably. Oh, maybe 700 meters or so up uh, what I'm led to believe is a pretty main street um, in in Geelong but yeah the, the police cordoned it off um, there wasn't a huge huge amount of people in the march being it was like a almost like a six lane wide street um, it didn't feel as though the sort of where you were taking over and that this was really uh, Western United's town kind of thing but is the um, Tommy is the march equivalent the same as the uh, the stadium equivalent for the a league do these some of these teams that are just starting out do they need to just march in like laneways yeah. to make them to make them look bigger that you know that they're, they're walking in a well, like a six lane highway and uh, <laughs> ma- makes them look like quite a small crowd yeah it, it was the uh, it was the march equivalent of uh of going to ANZ stadium in sydney really wasn't it <laughs> yeah definitely um, but, um and the, the, the stadium itself was was 
like quite good. I mean, it's it's obviously a, an AFL slash cricket grounds um, oval shaped stadium. So um, yeah, uh, thirty thirty thousand seat is good um, when when you pack it out. But they'll probably about. Close to seven thousand there, six thousand eight hundred or something like that. I mean, that's pretty positive for your first game, so long as the on-field results are there. Yeah. But um, in terms of the sort of pre-match build-up, that was that was pretty good as well. The, the buzz sort of built up, um, handing out flags. You picked yourself up a commemorative uh, first home game <laughs> flag, which you're carrying around for the rest of the night. Um, yep, yep. Um, and then you then you had the walkout. What did you make of the uh, the, the walkout song, Tommy? Oh, well, uh, what was it? It was the Pet Shop Boys' uh, Go, Go West, West, which, I mean, that's a pretty camp song. So, uh, like, that just, I just thought that was hilarious. But it Is that inclusive? It. It's a very in- inclusive <laughs> club uh, decision? Or do you, do you think that was a conscious decision by the club? Or do you think they just chose a song with West in the title? Uh, yeah, definitely the latter. Um, <laughs> I, I think um, this this uh, might have caught some people off guard a little bit in the stadium. They were sort of thinking, hang on, where where am I right now? Uh, am I on Chapel Street right now or am I at a football match? <laughs> One song they did get right, though, was the goal song, um, song two by Blur, Woohoo, um, as, as the goal song. I think that works really well. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's a great goal song, um, sort of celebration song, but it's it, it couldn't be more fitting for uh, for the woo. And we spotted some mascots as well. Um uh, there, there are a bunch of. Uh, well, I'm assuming that these are the uh, Western United mascots. There was sort of big, like foam letters spelling out Western United that were sort of dancing around the place. Um, obviously they all had to be in formation the entire time, but <laughs> that, that's pretty much all I saw uh, by way of a, a mascot for Western United. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And like I, I kind of envisaged that they would be there at the very beginning of the match, but then they would sort of disappear, sort of after about sort of ten or fifteen minutes. But you're right, they, they pretty much just hung around for the entire game which was a little bit a little bit weird but yeah anyway i guess um with the mascots tommy really, maybe the maybe the whole crew of mascots only have to rock up for big games like you know your, your opener but then like every other week the w and the u just are, are on duty and then the rest get the week off that that sounds like that could be a way ahead for them because it it's can't be uh can't be cheap hiring uh what what is there 12 12 17 people? teenagers or something in <laughs> green tights yeah exactly <laughs> they can't be just sitting around that's right. You have to be pretty active. Let's uh, get a little bit into the game itself. Um, there <laughs> there, there wasn't was actually a game, yeah. <laughs> there was a game played as well, if you, if you could believe that. But uh, we'll talk a bit about Perth Glory now. There were, there were two uh, Popoviches taking spots up on the bench. Uh, does a goal from K-pop um, make this not nepotism? Yeah, I guess that's a it's a good point. We've we've sort of been turning our noses up a little bit at um at, at the two Popovich boys uh, being on the bench, and everyone was sort of saying, "Oh yeah, they're just there because it's their their dad's there." But when uh, Christian came on, he he looked pretty solid. He didn't look out of place at all, and um like the a, um, a really well taken goal sort of to cap off his performance meant that he, he he's showing that he deserves to to have a spot there. Uh, at least on the bench for now, and yeah, like you never know. It's great that he's pushing for a starting spot, um, and really pushing, I guess, uh, Economides, Fornaroli, and Castro. Obviously, h- huge names and huge performers in front of um, Popovich. But yeah, look, it, it's it's only good for for the glory at this stage. Yeah, Christian looks like he can actually play football. Um, uh, Gab- Gabriel was the other one. Um, no idea uh, about him and, and whether think, he can play at all. I don't think he started yet from memory. 
Yeah, I, or, I certainly don't even recall him coming on off the bench. And Economides, you mentioned before, Tommy, as well. Um, he look, we were, we were watching him play early on in the first half. He looked a, a class above the way he was moving around, but he did he did fade early. Do you, do you put that down to a, a tough Popper preseason, and he's still getting up to speed? Possibly, but also um, Popovich's teams tend to start a little bit slow. So um, maybe it's just about finding that rhythm and it, it could be a fitness thing. It could be just um, he's, he's still just building into the season because um, we know that Popovich's teams, they, they tend to just get better as, as the season starts. And that's all part of it with the A-League as well, the, the way the seasons go and, and the way they sort of run these teams. You've, they've really, like teams have really got to time their run. And I know like Popovich teams and Rudan teams in particular that's something they they've sort of been working on like building up um, throughout the season and then but not fading out by the time you get to finals and having all your players be cooked like I think that sort of happened with Perth a little bit last year when yep. Sydney came sort of storming back at the at the right time and sort of peaking at the right time mm-hmm. you'd think with sort of a shorter season that they would have the opportunity to peak at the right time like have a single peak but you see sometimes in the in the Premier League and some of these longer longer seasons how or leagues with longer seasons that they they almost have multiple peaks throughout the season um, which it must be must be weird sort of going through or being part of one of these teams as, um, and and how they manage that throughout the season really curious yeah. to see what goes into that yeah, and speaking of multiple peaks, um, let's get on to the Western United players. Uh, a, man, a man who's had multiple peaks in his uh, career and uh, multiple peaks off the pitch as well is Diamante. How much was he just running that game? Yeah, look, um, you you mentioned him very specifically um, in the the um, wrap up from last week's uh, Woo match against Wellington, and so I was you and I sitting next to each other this time were, were particularly um, sort of discussing Diamante and, and sort of some of the positions. He was taking up. He started sort of in uh, like a, I guess a number ten position. Then then he moved out to almost like a a wide uh, a sort of a, a wide um, striking sort of position, like an inside forward. Yeah, and and then uh, finally when they went to just two up front then he almost became sort of a second striker, much more central. And so, um, yeah, he, he went through sort of a, a, a variety of different positions as the game went on. But look, if there was one common thread, it was that whenever he got on the ball, his first touch was just fantastic. Um, I don't think there was anyone else on the field uh, who, who was matching him in terms of just his ability to just stop a ball dead uh, when under under pressure and even after it had been fizzed in. But not only that, for him to take one, two touches under pressure and then just basically release um, the ball in a positive way and attempt to play someone in just every time was very just optimistic he's basically always going for the killer ball um, just high quality every time yeah yeah exactly and it, it was a real pleasure to watch because um i guess sometimes we we complain i guess about the a league and the number of journeymen that we have and the recycling of sort of semi-talented players in the a league but a lot of them a lot of them don't have a lot of confidence and so here you've got a player who is very confident in his own ability and he's always trying sort of the difficult thing and and more often than not it's actually sort of coming off for him he just he needs someone that can finish off the chances that he's creating well, we were talking about this at the game. Um, the sort of, you know, we were wondering um, about the the age of um, the Wu starting eleven, and it's it's since been confirmed. I saw a stat um, on Twitter from Andy Howe, um, the the sort of famous A League statistician, mm-hmm. um, who confirmed that this is the uh, oldest 
um, starting 11 in A-League history. Uh, average age of 31.2 years. And that wow. actually beats the Dad's Army Brisbane squad of a couple of years ago. I think they had an average age in one game of 31.1. So just just pips them. But um, yeah, he's, uh, they, they're certainly not lacking in quality. And they're certainly all of their older players, uh, like all appear to certainly be adding something. Mm. Um, and, and one thing I was very interested uh, before we get off Diamante is that... Um, Melbourne Victory could have signed him a couple of years ago, if you remember, but it got blocked by the uh, FFA because he didn't meet their guest marquee rules, marketing criteria. Mm. And that was a season, I think, that City signed Cahill. Mm. Um, so, like, they, they, the FFA were wanting – they greenlit Cahill on, you know, marketing marquee reasons, um, but they 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 didn't uh, give Diamante the, the green light. Controversial. What do you think about that? Yeah, <laughs> controversial to say the least. I mean, um, Cahill was, was a success off the pitch, but not really a success on the pitch, besides maybe sort of two or three moments. Uh, but yeah, Diamante, I mean, two or three years ago, I think, obviously would have been half a yard quicker, would have been fitter, stronger. Big missed opportunity. Yeah, definitely agree. And I mean, from a fan's perspective, in terms of the the sort of marketing from a fan's perspective, I mean, I'd much rather just uh, scroll through Diamante's Insta of him just doing like weird like facial expressions with weird sunnies <laughs> to like music in his car than being blocked on Cahill, by, blocked on Twitter by Cahill. <laughs> I think everyone's blocked on uh, on Cahill's social media now. So just being able to see what they're what they're talking about and what they're posting is just a bonus. Yeah, you can't can't do marketing if we can't see what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to some of the other other players. Uh, I also. Th- um, Chapman from the Woo stood out for me as well. He did an absolute number on Bruno Fornaroli in this game. What did you What did you make of that? Yeah, mate, one hundred percent agree. Um, Connor Chapman was a player who looked like he was sort of on the cusp of um, being a really great defender when he was at Melbourne City. I think two seasons ago, um, and he he moved on. I think he went to Korea, and. Um, uh, it turned out that it's been a pretty good career move for him. So um, he uh, he went over there and I believe he was playing as like a, a defensive midfielder, like a, a holding midfielder kind of thing. And um, it's good to see that he hasn't lost any of his defensive instincts because yeah, he he was he, he never gave Fornaroli much of an opportunity to or, or any space. And um, I, I guess most importantly though, um, Fornaroli is a wily old dog and he he. Is uh, very good at playing for the foul, and I think Chapman fouled him. I think once over across ninety minutes, which was um, yeah, it just showed how patient that he could be, as as well as um, I guess how good the timing of his tackles often were as well. So yeah, really great performance I thought from Connor Chapman. Yeah, um, another another player that that stood out for for various reasons. Um, not not too many of them. He had a pretty quiet day on the pitch, but uh, Bessa Barisha seems to be a quite an early fan favourite, and I'm I'm sort of semi surprised by that, but mm. kind of not. What, what did you What did you think about him? Yeah, uh, look, I thought he was isolated for for long periods of the game, especially in the first half, which made it really difficult for for him to have any sort of influence or impact on the game. But look, he 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 ran hard and. I guess for him now, at this point in his career, it's about it's about timing uh, his runs and and timing his bursts of bursts of energy to to make sure he's getting the most out of his legs. It's it you're right. It is a little curious. I think that the fans have sort of warmed to him so quickly, um, particularly the active. But I, I wonder even if that's just because there's so many ex victory fans that have come over to uh, to the Woo. Maybe 
Yeah, I think that I think that definitely will have something to do with it. It was it was weird as a as a Raw fan getting to sort of cheer for Bez again now that he's not wearing <laughs> a victory shirt. It was a weird feeling for me personally. Um, but yeah, as you say, he's a big big hit with the the Wu fans already. I, I saw a, a video going around um, of a kid getting his head signed by Barisha after the game. <laughs> Um, have you ever? Would you ever get some stuff signed, Tommy? Your, your body, uh, any items of clothing? Um, is, that, is that something that, that's for you? It's, it's funny. I think um, with with cricket, that really lends itself to getting like those little miniature bats and and getting those signed by some of the players. But I don't know. Football doesn't really seem to lend itself very well to getting players to sign stuff. I don't know. Maybe if you've got a hat, um, you could get that signed by one of the players. But the the problem is the Woo gave out black hats as part of their their membership drive so i'm not sure how how well that'd go if you got one of the players to sign one of your black caps well hats a pretty good segue tommy because we'll move on to the to uh marcus babble's peaky blinders look and his western <laughs> sydney wanderers um wanderers are two from two for the first time in their history thanks to the best shot involving keanu since john wick three uh and a lob from maya which is uh, more intelligent than babble's peaky blinders look uh tommy are the are the wanderers back yeah, uh, they uh, they looked pretty good in this. I thought. I mean, um, look, this was a bit of a combination of uh, a victory being poor, but um, no, the the Wanderers I thought really deserved this um, this victory here. Uh, no pun intended. But look, yeah, like Alex Byer, he um, did. Did you know that he played in the Bundesliga and that he was uh, a Golden Boot at one stage? Because yeah, I might have might have heard that he, at one point. Yeah, or another. I'm pretty sure Fox Sports rattle it off about every 15 <laughs> minutes in in the coverage. So yeah, look, that does get a little. Bit bit tiresome little little note guys um if you're listening which i have no doubt that they are if not um, you should be listening to the pod box. <laughs> why are you uh, but look, yeah. So he he seems to be a really shrewd acquisition for them. He he seems uh, sort of wise beyond his years. And I've and seen a lot of people talking this bloke down on Twitter, like comparing him to like Pia Vakari and other like dud strikers that the Wanderers have had over the years. And actually, like the the couple of um you know the the bits that I've watched of him so far, I, I think he looks like a great acquisition. He's got great awareness, great eye for goal. He had mm. another goal like that ruled out in this half, uh, ruled out in this game um, for a, a foul on one. One of his players in the lead up. Yeah. Um, yeah, he looks looks decent to me. Yeah, and look, I think some of the other pieces around him, I think, are, are good fits as well. So, like we we talked about Mitch Duke last week, he had another really big game. Um, but also, I think like the if there's if there was one big contrast between the two teams, it was that Melbourne Victory's midfield, the central midfielder Pulse and Broxham and uh, Dobras, I just, just thought they were trash. But if you could com- can compare them to to Bacchus, Bacchus Sullivan and uh, Schwelger, uh, Schwegler, sorry. Yeah, so I thought the the three of them really uh, complemented each other really well, and I think they've got a really nice unit there. Bacchus, obviously, he's he's a bit of a known quantity in the A League, but Sullivan, I thought he he had some really nice touches, and he was doing sort of some different things. Like for example, the his scooped pass ended up being really nicely, uh, uh, really nicely taken, um, and that that was how they got one of their goals. But um, it, it was. Something that you just don't see uh, particularly often, uh, where like you have a genuinely creative uh, Australian midfielder. So um, good signs, and hopefully he really just takes his uh, takes his opportunity over the next couple of weeks and just and just runs with it. Yeah, good to see um, some of the Australian players shining, particularly in this Kurtz v Babel Swiss Alpine German derby. It's the it's the first time actually as well that three Swiss born players um, have been playing at the same time in an Australian National League game with Lopar, Schwegler and Basher as well. Wow. Um, 
yeah, so uh, yeah, definitely a definitely a sort of Swiss German flavour to this this match. Um, what did you make of the game in general? It wasn't the best game that uh, we've seen this year, and uh, it, it, look, it was great to to have uh, all of the noise back at um, uh, the North Terrace. They were really noisy, and it's, it's a shame they weren't at the Derby uh, last week because yeah, they could have done with all of that that atmosphere that they provide. And look, a little bit concerned, I guess, for for victory. I think we all expected that they would be really competitive once again this season, but yeah, I think they've got some pretty big problems there. I think Dobras. Uh, in particular, he um, he looked as though he was really struggling either for fitness or just for confidence, and um, yeah, I suspect that he he may not start again next week because yeah, he was he was quite. Victory poor. fans have been quite hard on him on social media um, since um, they played on Friday night. Um, yeah, it's been a lot, lot of early hate for him, so yeah. um, he'll he'll need to definitely um, impress next time he gets an opportunity. And he could be just struggling to settle in Australia, like we've we've said before, how it's 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 not easy to sort of go to the other side of the world normally for Australians and go to Europe or something like that and where you may not know the the language or the culture and I don't know if Dobris' English is particularly good or anything like that but he he may just be struggling just with settling in here. Yeah, that's that's entirely possible. Um, And just on another victory player, um, Cam Sober looked like he had another reasonably decent game um, in Robbie Cruz's absence as well. Um, He's... Robbie Cruz is going to struggle to get back into the team. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, I think that's not a bad shout. You know, like um, you're right. Cam, Cam Sober was he was really good. He was full of energy and running, and he he looked as though even though sort of some things weren't coming off at, at, at times, or his or his teammates weren't necessarily putting in a great shift around him. He he was always full of energy and always trying things, and and so he was probably one of the the bright lights for them um, in this match of which there weren't a hell of a lot of bright lights for for the victory on Friday night, unfortunately. That's right. Right, um, and I mean, it was only really a, a handball pen that gave him a goal um, in a match that the Wanderers looked like they otherwise dominated. Yep, yeah, totally, totally agree. And look, the the other big takeaway from this one was the the number of young, specifically academy graduates that um, that Western Sydney had. They, I think there was like at least there was at least three. I think it may have been a fourth that were all uh, Wanderers academy graduates. Which is we we talked about that a little bit last week uh, about how the sort of the league wants to, to take that on board but yeah it was it really stood out this week and I thought Mo Adam had another another really good game um, Sullivan I talked about him before he was really good and then of course you had uh, Daniel Wilmering as well who made his, his starting debut after he'd come off the bench twice already but um, look I think he didn't look out of place it was still the odd moment where he, he made uh, sort of a minor error or something like that but that's to be expected young inexperienced player but otherwise I thought he was really very good that's right. Um, uh, Western Sydney and and Melbourne City as well are, are teams that look like they're they're really um, they're really trusting in their young talent this season, which is which is great to see. And we, you know we've been crying out for that for a while. And we did mention last week that um, you know they're already um, in this season of the A League. There seems to be so many more young players getting a real shot. And there yeah there seems to be you know one or two in every team who look genuinely exciting. And that's only good for the league. Tommy, moving on to um, Central Coast and Newcastle, the F3 derby though, Mm. both teams had a chance to win this um, with Miller being denied a goal on debut for his new side uh, by a great save from Birgitte and uh, Jurich uh, nearly had a double um, and was denied by the post late. Uh, What did you make of this game? 
It was a funny one, this one. Like, um, I didn't think it was uh, uh, sort of the, the best game in terms of quality. But, look, both teams were really going for it. And um, there, was, there was still plenty of chances, though, for both teams. I, I think one all was probably a pretty fair result in the end. But, man, uh, Milan Duric, he can he can hit a ball, that is for sure. Like, that that volley at the very, uh, was it the fourth minute or something like that? Uh, that, that goal was an absolute peach um, and as I was sort of re-watching the uh, the highlight of this I realized that he actually it's actually a one-two it's a, just a really um, it's a it's a one-two but really delayed so um, yeah Durich plays the ball out to who is it um, Jordan Murray sort of like a 30-40 meter uh, pass uh, who then crosses it back to Durich who's just run sort of 50 meters to get onto the end of it it was a great volley too yeah, it was, um, and he he looks he looks quite a player. Definitely one to watch for the season. It's a shame, yeah. There wasn't much more to say about the on-field performances. The only uh, one that I'd probably circle out is uh, Birigidi, who who looks like he's relishing the uh, you know the spot finally as a as a number one keeper again. Um, made some cracking saves in this game, and um, if it wasn't for VAR, um, would have had a penalty save as well. Yeah, always feel for goalkeepers when sort of they they have to save then a second attempt and like he is honestly there's a there's a bee stick in in whether or not he's actually come off his line in this one. This isn't isn't one of those ones where he had come sort of two or three meters off of his line before the ball was kicked. This one was really really close. So yeah, pretty pretty unlucky I think in the grand scheme of things. But um, Petrados he did a very good job with the uh, the follow up second penalty. So yeah, Birigidi, you were close, but gonna gotta gotta always be uh, improving, right? Yeah, and I suppose we should have a word about the VAR goal line drama. So obviously, um, Birigidi got pinged for having a foot off the line, but it then didn't ping um, a bunch of attacking players encroaching on the on the second attempt, mm. which I think is because I don't think VAR can rule this off um, if the refs or assistants don't see it. The only way that VAR can intervene is if it gets saved and rebounds and then they become involved in the play and, and sort of follow it in and then VAR can pick that up. It's sort of similar to offside in that respect. Ah, uh, understood, yes. So, okay. yeah, the letter of the law says, though, that that's a retake. But mm. if the refs don't see it, VAR can't get involved. So that's a that's a bit of a loophole in the rules. But I mean, pre VAR, this save um, would have stood, and no one would have really mm. cared. Um, what, what's your view? Yeah, like um, penalties are, are sort of a, are, they're a funny one, really, and especially in instances like this where it's it's meant to be it's designed to give the attacking team a, a very clear, basically basically almost give them a 90% shot at a goal, right? Um, and so, look, it does still need to... Goalkeepers do still need that 10% chance at actually saving one. So this, um, I, I do sense that it really does make it incredibly difficult for, for goalkeepers if you're going to really police that, uh, that particular rule about goalkeepers coming off their line really strictly. It makes it virtually impossible unless... Um, the, the goalkeeper stays where they where they are and the and the penalty taker goes straight down the middle and uh, just basically catches it sort of a la the the final penalty of the grand final last season where Redmayne just sort of held his ground and just caught like the the limply yeah, kick. Well, that was just a ball. shit penalty, nothing to do with VAR <laughs> there. 
Um, yeah, the, look, the problem is consistency, isn't it? Like you just you just have to find a way to get it consistent. You either don't have VAR at all for, for these situations. You say VAR's not going to rule on them or you say like every time, like like the offsides, like it doesn't matter if it's a centimetre, if your foot's a centimetre off the line or if mm. players are encroaching by a centimetre and then everyone just has to adjust. But it just has to be consistently applied. And, and yeah, like with this, I think part, part of it is the way that the rules and the VAR interact at the moment. I think there's a mm. problem there. But yeah, there, there's also a problem with the application of it as well. So it just needs work. But it's it's really just it's more the application of VAR. That's the the thing that sort of annoys me when people sort of complaining about VAR as it is. Like, yeah, fair if you want to complain about like how long VAR takes and that it, that it sort of takes the passion out of other areas of the game. When you're talking about technical bits like this that you can just spot and are just black and white, it's just it just needs to get it right and it needs to work with the rules. Yeah, like um for for this specific example and this specific rule the. You have the assistant who comes into about the uh, the line of the six-yard box. And so they're looking straight along the line directly. Like they're not looking anywhere else. They're looking or they're looking at when the ball is kicked and whether or not the goalkeeper has come off their line. So, look, it is a little bit similar to, to offside in that sense that it, it is a little tricky for the, for the assistant. But at the same time, there's, there's nothing else for them to be uh, sort of uh, distracted by or anything like that. So you sort of have to question whether or not this is just a, a, a fact of the rules that they can't uh, can't be looking in two places at once. So unless this is like a, like a, a stinking error, just let it go there, there are two two sort of off-field moments in this one that also stood out for a mention as well we had before the game the uh the the mariners getting revenge on the on the jets banner changing the words class above to ass above um, <laughs> yeah a couple of six-year-olds uh, just just making some some good good banter there that's um, fantastic i didn't actually catch that <laughs> yeah and uh then you had after the game the, the fox sports pundits uh Sort of having a having a chat with uh, Ernie Merrick and and Boz was sort of saying, oh, we, we you know we tipped the Jets a couple of years ago and um, we we tipped you to make bottom and you made the grand final and then last year we tipped you to get make finals and you missed out like you know what what are you doing and and Merrick just called him a bunch of dickheads which is <laughs> a very like very A league areas as well um, and just like it, it's stuff like this that just that just keeps you coming back really yeah well look VAR I don't think we'll be pulling that one back because that's obviously not a clear and obvious error I think everyone knows <laughs> that they're dickheads <laughs> yeah Bozzer was particularly tickled by that as well um, why don't we just do a quick uh, FFA Cup grand final preview Tommy before uh, before we wrap up the Oz football part of the, the podcast today and, and this can even double as a um, as a Melbourne City Adelaide preview as well because they're going to be the clubs are going to be playing them uh, each other twice in what four days I believe yeah which so, is a little bit of a uh, I guess an unfortunate coincidence really isn't it um, not only that but I think they're so the um, Melbourne City will be hosting the the game this afternoon on Sunday um, but then Adelaide will be hosting the final so it probably would have been a little bit better for both teams if they were just playing in the same location just allow everyone to get a little bit more comfortable but um yeah it means there's a, an extra leg of travel involved with this one and what impact do you think that's going to have if any on the uh, ffa cup grand final because obviously listeners um you know will know the results of the melbourne city adelaide game by the time you're listening to this but what do you think will be the impact on the ffa cup grand final 
I think um, it has the potential to sort of undermine the the occasion of the of the FFA Cup final because they're going to be quite familiar with each other, having just played each other four days beforehand. And um, I mean, familiarity sort of uh, breeds breeds contempt in in some ways, but they're, they're also likely to be a little bit more comfortable with each other as well. So. Um, yeah, look, uh, this is a, this is quite a different Adelaide and quite a different um, Melbourne City team to what we saw last season. Plenty of changes all around the pitch, new managers. So I, I think um, both teams are still trying to sort of hit their hit their straps. But I, I suspect that only one of these games is actually going to be a good game. I think um, my um, my gut tells me that uh, this afternoon's game could be a little bit cagey and uh, sort of they'll, they'll have one eye uh, on the FFA Cup final and that, yeah, this afternoon's match may not actually be the, the best match and they'll be saving themselves for um, really uh, really going for it on, uh, on Wednesday night. Yeah, and it's obviously a huge advantage um, for Adelaide to be playing at Coopers at home. Mm-hmm. Melbourne City, if they do get up, would be the first side um, to win the FFA Cup interstate. Shows how hard it is really, doesn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and it just shows what a what an advantage being at home is. But um, who in particular should we be looking out for, Tommy? Look, uh, for Adelaide, definitely Al Hassan Toro, my boy. Uh, I'm... I'm be sort of gassing him I'm hoping he's going to have a, a great performance um, although I'm kind of hoping he's not going to score too many goals but I, I think he's going to have uh, at least one big game obviously that match up against uh, Harrison Delbridge and Curtis Good I think that's going to be a really interesting uh, really interesting battle there between those three players but then look, I'm, I'm predicting that um, uh, Dennis Jonro might might um turn up and, my boy yeah your boy I, I'm I'm thinking he uh, he might make a a pretty strong appearance and sort of he might actually sort of signal his arrival in the league this season in, in one of these two matches because um like he was on loan in uh, in the Netherlands last year so and he had and apparently a... ripped it up so yeah, yeah it's 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 A League fans should be very keen to get a look at him and I know um you and I certainly are. Mm, yeah, definitely. I'm really excited to see uh, a player who is undoubtedly very talented, but you've got to you've got to make it count, sort of, uh, on the pitch and and show everyone what you're capable of. So, really excited to see how how he he fits into this city team. And all right, Tommy, quick prediction time now. Who wins and why? Alrighty, so I reckon Adelaide are going to win this one. I think, uh, like you said, that home ground advantage. I think it's just going to be too much. Um, but I think I think there still could be a few goals in this one. I'm, I'm predicting it'll be two one, two one to Adelaide. I'm actually tipping City to, to take it on the road and, and give them the momentum they need to uh, and the confidence and the belief to uh, do something in the A League this year. So uh, as a as a uh, as an interested neutral, I'm I'm tipping City to get up to two one. Huge. All right, well, that'll do it for the Oz Football part of the podcast. Coming up next, uh, Match Day 9 of the Premier League. Here's Grealish to Wesley. The fans can see the pass. Wesley finds it. Great ball across. Grealish! They'll check the VAR, but he's not holding back on the celebrations. Again. Grealish. Grealish weaves inside. Great ball to target. Target! Unbelievable! Ten seconds of the promised additional time remaining and he gets the most dramatic of winning goals for Aston Villa. Talk about taking it to the edge. Target the winner. Bullseye! 
a gripping game with an incredible finale. Now the outpouring of emotion from the Aston Villa players. They took it down to the last breath and their hero is an unlikely hero, Matt Target, with his first goal for Aston Villa, a winning goal. Talk about drama. At Villa Park, the final score, Aston Villa 2, Brighton 1. All right, boys, Premier League match day nine, um, joined now by Andy and George. Boys, how's it going? Uh, we are, we're well coles. It's a bit, a bit bright and early for us, but we've uh, shaken off the cold waves. Another bright and early start for you boys. Uh, have you caught much of, the, much of the Premier League this weekend? Yeah, mate, uh, it's what Saturdays are for, <laughs> on the couch and in the pub. We had the, had the Just... official Premier League beers yesterday as well. I saw that, yeah. You sent that around to our, our group chat and we were all suitably jealous of your, your beer on the couch watching football at a, at a decent time. Uh, Premier League edition. Very good. Uh, as we mentioned uh, at the top, or you would have heard at the top, listeners, uh, we're going to cover Villa and Brighton first. So uh, Villa left it until just about the last kick of the game to get a winner against a 10-man Brighton with Moy being sent off midway through the first half. Uh, Grealish was involved with pretty much everything, including the first goal and teed up Matt Target, who lashed home the winner at the death. We'll get to Grealish in a minute, boys, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Moy red card, which pretty much changed the game. What did you think about that? Uh, easy easy one to give. I think it was a pretty abhorrent tackle. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the first yellow looked a bit soft to me. He blocked Nakamba after fouling him. But then, yeah, the, the slide-in on Grealish, it looked like he, he pretty much pulled out. Um, Andy, I thought the slide-in and pull-out was your signature move. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can see you've, you've had that one written down for a second. <laughs> um, anyway... Um, yeah, yeah, he, he pulled out, but not quite all the way. And um, yeah, you know, mistakes happen. You just mistakes get the impression, Cole, you get the impression that Moy's trying a bit too hard at, at the new team just to try and make an impact. A lot of pressure and, on him to sort of cement his spot in the starting 11, you think? Yeah. A bit of pressure yeah, into him. I think so. I mean, it, it, it was pretty uncharacteristic of him to, to sort of make that sort of uh, mistake um, after already being booked. So. He just, and I've seen him play a few games this season, and, he, and he's sort of still trying to find his fit in the team. And I, I just think it's a symptom of him probably trying too hard. And, yeah, and he's um, being moved around a bit as well. And like, you know, he's just come yeah. back from international break. He's playing different positions in the team. He's got to like sort of, yeah, get used to the team, but also like that the, the you know, hottest tactics are sort of shifting around week to week as well. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right, George. It must be pretty, pretty tough for him. Well, it's not going to it's not going to be that uh, useful for him now. He's uh, he's going to be out for a week and losing his spot again because it took him probably a good month to make his way to in, get in. in the starting lineup anyway. So yeah, a real be, real uh, set, real setback for him. Yeah, and Brighton as well. Um, yeah, not not what they needed uh, at this point. Just you know, after going up early as well, and um, yeah, they couldn't even hang on for a point in the end. But um, yeah, Grealish will obviously get all the headlines um, in, in this one, boys. He's played himself in for his own goal. He, he went and got Moy sent off and, and then puts yes. the perfect weight on the pass for, for target for the winner. Are we going to see him rip it up now? I think a big, big game for him, as, as you noted. Um, I think it was actually his first Premier League goal at Villa Park as well. So loved by the fans there. And he seems to be playing better and better every week. So yeah, no, I think he's, he's in for a good season, I think. I think it made a difference. That they were down to ten men. To be honest, it like it made him, you know, be able to float around a bit more without without as much sort of defensive responsibility 
and um, you made the most of it. Yeah, that's right. And um, he obviously yeah broke his Premier League scoring drought a bit earlier in the season and um, yeah, then got this goal at Villa Park. And yeah, he, he just looked generally unplayable, I thought, in this. And and one of the signs that a, that a player's in, in really good form like that is is just when everyone's just hacking him. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. all anyone could do to it's stop not, him. Yeah, it's not, not just because of his um his high shorts combo either, which, <laughs> which I, I quite rate, but I think he gets a bit of stick for that. But. And his undercut's getting more and more undercutty every week. He's, yeah, it's it, <laughs> good, good, good he's good at football because if that <laughs> guy was in your office, he wouldn't be popular. No, not at all. Uh, Matty Ryan wasn't popular amongst the commentary team. I don't know uh, what what commentary team you boys were listening to, but the the one I was listening to, he was getting a lot of hate. Uh, you know, did he really have that bad of a game? Well, he, I, I think he he was lucky with that um, disallowed goal because he he did sort of uh, fumble it there, um, and and it was a pretty soft call. Um, so I think they were, they were sort of focusing on that, which he's usually pretty good at coming out and punching, but he just sort of fluffed his lines in, in that one. So I think it's a bit harsh, but that that one they probably should have um, should have allowed that goal in, in my view. Yeah, um, yeah, not not a probably not a good night for him, I suppose. But I think he is like quite quite highly rated by by many, um, and yeah, can't see why he was getting so much hate. But uh, yeah, not not a good night for him to have a bad night with with Moy getting sent off as well. It's um, you know, might have been the worst performance by a couple of Aussies in the UK since you blokes on a Friday night. <laughs> We were sort of Saturday, Tom. Yeah. All right. You save that one up. <laughs> uh, no, speaking of... it, it, might, um, it might actually cause them a bit of issue, you know, next time they go away on international duty because, you know, they were, they were, they were in the, the, the Socceroos camp and, and they've come back and Moyes got sent off and um, Matty Ryan hasn't had the best game. So, you know, it might, might impact uh, next time they, they go away for... Duty in Next time they want to go go away and play against Taiwan and Nepal, uh, the, the, the manager might sort of think twice or look twice at them when they come back. Well, he might he might give uh, Arnie a call and say, "Come, come, on, mate." Um, well, I think the next game is against Jordan, isn't it? So that that's probably a that's, that's probably a big a one for the, for the Roos. Well, speaking of bad performances, then um, Watford uh, went up early uh, through Decore against Spurs yeah. after after Welbs uh, started and then disappeared after two minutes, like the end of a bad first date. Before uh, Foster, we know a bit about those too, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we, we all we all know about those. Um, but yeah, then then Deli Ali tucks one home uh, for a last minute equaliser, despite a very dubious non handball called as Deli appeared to control it with his bicep. Uh, Andy, as a man who knows a thing or two about bicep control, uh, how clear was this handball? I actually was less less upset about this um, than the the earlier variants uh, of the game. So I thought there was there was a tackle. I think it was El Guerrero on um, uh, De La Faye, actually up the other end. Um, yeah, in, he should he should have had a pen bo- too in the box. And I, I thought that absolutely should have been penalty. So I was I was more incensed by that, and I thought the Watford fans should be more upset about that. Uh, look, the the only one, yeah, it did, it did look like there was some bicep control, but it was mostly chest. So. Uh, I was I was less less perturbed by that, but um, yeah, just another game where Van didn't quite work out, and then and the whole thing about them putting up the wrong uh, wrong decision on the screen, the fans, every, everyone that was, was banter. That was banter. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like, yeah. I wonder if that should be a thing. Actually, it's put up put up the wrong result and watch everyone pop yeah. up again. Watch everyone lose. We probably it. needed oh, like, um, we probably needed a, a hot spot on. Um, 
to, to call, call hot into spot. the, the that, cricket that's server. technology yeah. they need. Ah. The hot spot on Delhi Alley to see how much of the ball was on his chest and how much of it was on his sort of arm. Yeah, maybe Snicko um, as well. So you could get Snicko. Snicko. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure they've improved <laughs> technology yeah. enough that you could sit, you could get like a you know plastic ball on on uh, shirt sleeve uh, to, to come up on there. I think it's a funny one. Yeah, agreed. I think it's a funny one because if you if you track all the decisions for handball this season um, and all the goals that have been disallowed, you you would say nine of the ten times this one would have been disallowed. But they gave Delhi Ali the benefit of the doubt, which is which is interesting. But you know, he deserved the goal though because the keepers just fucked it up as well. So I mean, oh, that was yeah. yeah. Like, what's he doing coming out? His defenders right there. Yeah, exactly. Ben Foster, yeah, yeah he's, he's been pretty solid the last um, uh, couple of or season or two, and and he sort of made a mistake there, and it's, and it's cost him because Watford, Watford, you probably almost penciled, have them penciled in for the win um, with, with their early lead. So, yeah, well, yeah, because they've been at least one or two, and that would have been their first win for the season. So that's um, that's a horrible mistake from from Foster. Um, but George yes. made a good point there about the other decisions this year that have been given for handball. The the rule. All the way through, and what people but they've continuously been saying, the referees have been saying, is that if a, there's a handball in the lead up to a goal, it shouldn't be given, or if there's even a suggestion of it. Now, so what they're saying by not giving, by not disallowing this one, is it didn't touch his arm. Yeah, not sure about that one at all. But yeah, I think I think you're right, uh, George. You said before, we just, more technology. Let's throw more technology at this. <laughs> yeah, just make it take longer. What could what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, but I don't, I don't think I don't think this last the Deli Ali's goal sort of papers over the cracks of Spurs' performance because it wasn't good. I'm, I'm I think it's still very disappointing. I, yeah, I think nothing's nothing's going to take away uh, from the fact that this was definitely a very disappointing result. And and Spurs, I think no one could say they were. Um, they were not lucky to get a point. I, I mean, I don't have the stat on me, Colby, you might, um, but their their last sort of six or seven games or ten games, their, their sort of form uh, has been pretty, pretty poor, like in terms of results and performances. So I, I think it's, it's something's something's bad in, in the water out there or I, I don't know what's going on. That was a home game against Watford and they, they probably should have lost and, and it's not going to get any easier. Coles, Coles on the radio here, someone called in to say that you know, the Spurs team moving into this new stadium was akin to, uh, you know, the excitement of moving into a new house with, with, uh, with your wife, but you and the missus sleep in separate bedrooms. And there's, it's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, lot of excitement, a lot of fanfare, but there's obviously something not right in the team. Yeah, well, yeah. You've, got, you've, got you've got a lot of cheap furniture in the house and big empty cabinet. <laughs> well, I just want to know is, there, is um is that YouTube rapper Mishi uh, going to drop another another track now or uh, what's is it is it going to be an update? An if they update keep going, he could he could make a whole album if they if they keep this sort of season up. He could make a sort of Champions League edition of B sides and uh, yeah, I reckon yeah. he's got a real real career out of this. Yeah, I guess long may it continue. But what what are your thoughts, Colts? Is this uh, are we are we in a potch out territory yet? I think nobody wants him to go. But Jose yeah, wants no him to go, doesn't he? <laughs> Jose wants him to go, and any, anyone else who's sort of eyeing off that job. And I think uh, I think a lot of Man United fans want him to go as well. 
so that he can come over and manage them. But um, the, the other the other sort of question that I, I wanted to know around Potch out, like it's it's not whether or not you are Potch out, but like if he is out, like you, you know, what's he going to be remembered for? What's this? You know, they've got a stadium, they don't have trophies, and then you'd think a bunch of the players that they worked so hard to keep together will just all go their separate ways, and it'll all have been for nothing. Yeah, I guess he'll be be remembered for um, you know, at, at one point getting a, a team to a stage, and they they obviously got to a Champions League final and, and were you know, right at the at the top of the Premier League, and and I mean, on paper they should still really be the the third best team in the country. But so I guess he'll be remembered for that. But I don't, I don't yeah. know. That. I mean, the stadium I think is going to go down in on you know on on uh, Daniel Levy's book rather than anyone else's. Yeah, so so you know, Poch doesn't even get that credit, obviously. Whereas, obviously, uh, Arsene Wenger yeah, built uh, Arsenal oh, Stadium that, himself. So, <laughs> yeah, he's just a coach. That's what Poch said. He's just a coach. He doesn't do anything else. Just a coach. Um, no, I think if it, I think I think it's a bit harsh, Cole. But I think he 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 sort of uh, picks Spurs up from sort of being a sort of an, not an also ran, but almost and and sort of challenging for for titles. Not with Sam, haven't won anything. He's made them. You know, what one of the one of the more top teams in Europe, but I agree. The minute sort of he walks, and it looks like at the end of this season, you know, all those uncontracted guys are, are gonna are gonna leave. So it, it is kind of an end of an end of an era. Um, it's just starting a little bit earlier than they would have wanted. Yeah, well, I don't know. There were players that obviously wanted to move on, but I guess the one positive for Spurs fans is they're not in the Man United situation of having guys on long term contracts that they then can't get rid of. So I guess that's a positive that they can take from this. Yeah, I think you're right, Andy. They're they're in a, a much better position in a lot of ways than some of those other clubs, like especially United. Um, but yeah, they, they they won't be happy with the fact that Arsenal are at least sort of starting to put some kind of okay form together. Like that'll be the that'll be the one that are obviously watching. But um, you know, United at least takes surely uh, you guys could. Uh, let us know, but it seems like United will take a bit of the heat off them in terms of media attention anyway. Oh, it's been pretty split at the moment, pretty pretty even. A menu, yeah, I think probably towards the, uh, the the sort of before Spurs' bad run, it was all menu, but now now there there is a lot of lot of heat on Poch and Spurs. But to, I mean, Spurs have tried to sort of not regenerate fully, but they did bring in some guys, at, you know, in at the start of the season and, and unfortunately for them they've been injured you know Celso and yeah. Don Boy like the, the, a lot of the a lot of the guys you know they were kind of relying on to that regeneration or energy to kind of revitalise the squad have have sort of been um, injured and uh, that, I mean they didn't replace Urente. Um so you know if Harry Kane does get injured it, it'll be you know the Son and Murasho again but um, they did try a little bit, I guess, and they did spend some money. So you've got to give them a little bit of credit in that regard, noting that the guys have been a bit injured. Yeah, they, they also suffered from that, that same problem that so many other teams did and they couldn't move on some of the players that they wanted to get rid of. And that's that's affecting them as well. So Yeah, although those guys are playing, like Danny Rose seems yeah. to be playing every week now, but he was, he was out the door at the transfer window. So, yeah. We'll move on to a bit of Chelsea corner, boys. Um the scoreline uh, will show a 1-0 win to Chelsea and a goal for Alonso and might have people sort of thinking back to the, the Conte era, one goal and shut up shop top. <laughs> but, uh, George, uh, did the scoreline really re- reflect the game here? 
Um, I actually thought the first half was, was pretty even. Um, the Newcastle looked pretty dangerous on the break. The Saint Maxim was was causing Chelsea a lot of problems um, on on the flanks, um, and and the first half was pretty frustrating from a, a Chelsea perspective. They couldn't really create too much. Tammy Abraham wasn't involved at, at all, really, and it looked like there was a bit of a hangover from the international break, but. Um, you know, the, the second half, Chelsea really sort of started to put the hammer down and, you know, were creating lots and lots of chances and, and just couldn't score, just couldn't get one. Like, um, Dubravka made a lot of, a, a lot of good saves. Um, Tammy missed a, a couple of headers and, and a couple of chances went to Pulisic, missed a couple. Hudson Adoy was, was sort of causing a lot of problems and, you know, eventually the damn wall, um, gave way and, and, and Alonso got on the back. Back of one on the back post and it relieved a lot of the pressure. So it was kind of good in that regard because it was one of those games that looked like it was destined for a draw, a really frustrating one. But, you know, Lampard gave Pulisic a chance and he kind of came on and, and made a little bit of an impact. You know, he could have scored a one on one, uh, didn't, uh, but then helped set up a goal and then he could have, you know, scored another one, but he tried to cut it back to Tammy Abraham. So, you know, all in all, it's a pretty good result, actually, to get the three points at home. And, you know, it's something that they've not been able to do all season is keep a clean sheet. So that was good as well. But I think Newcastle's attack might have helped a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, don't really rate Joe Linton at all. Um, so, uh, he, he, you know, uh, I was more worried when Andy Carroll came on, to be honest, for the last sort of 15, 10, 15. So you weren't worried? Well, he was probably more of a threat. <laughs> but yeah, I think all in all, it was a good result. Um, I mean, a, a, take take the three points and, and when a team's set up against you to kind of defend and, and you can break them down, I think that's that's showing a little bit of a sign of maturity as well. So um, the interesting thing will be, uh, you know, Lampard didn't make that many changes. To, so Ross Barkley was in, came out of the game injured um, following his uh, good good form uh, for England, for yeah. England. Um, Kante is sort of a question mark. Um, you know, he's sort of injured and he went off to France um, and, you know, looked like he aggravated something in his knee. So, you know, the, the midfield is a bit light on and, and Lampard hasn't rotated that much. So um, it'll be interesting to see how everyone copes with the, the extra load on all the young boys. Yeah, well, Alonso um, is obviously only in the team um, because of an injury to Emerson, but he, he's um, got come up with a goal and is, is quietly one of Chelsea's top goal scorers at the moment. Um, I read a stat today that since the 17-18 season, he's the third top goal scorer uh, behind William and Pedro. So um, he's doing bits. Um, but do you think anyone from the current batch or who from the current batch will be the first to sort of outscore him? The current batch, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think, uh, Hudson Adoy's slotted straight back into the team. Um, you know, every time he's played, he's looked good and he started, and he started a couple of games now. So I think he, and he, and he, and he looked very threatening every time he got the ball. Um, so I think, I think once he starts scoring goals, he's not going to stop. And, um, very happy Chelsea locked him into a, a long-term deal because he, he, he's going to, I think, he, you know, that talks about everyone's talking about Mason Mount and Tammy, but Hudson Adoy, I think, is got the potential to be better than better than all of them. 
Yeah, and it's a pretty big turnaround as well because, like, uh, you know, it was only a year ago or so, or so when he was sort of just, a, you know, one foot out the door and Bayern Munich were going to sign him. And now, like you say, George, he's locked in. I think he's got like three assists in a row, um, which is the youngest player to do that since Michael Owen. Um, and, yeah, consecutive starts and um, created heaps in this game and, and then set up the winner. So, yeah, he's, he's looking pretty good. Yeah. And not, not to not to labour this point, but, you know, last year word word out of the camp was uh, he he was he was lining it up for training skinning everyone and all the players were confused why he couldn't get on Sari wouldn't pick him so it took Sari an extra six months to put him in the team and he instantly made an impact so I think I think that that contract stuff had a lot to do with him not getting games so Chelsea have won um, five in a row in all comps now. Kepper's kept just his second clean sheet of the season um, and they've got a good run of games coming up now too. Do you think things are really going to start to click into place? Yeah, no, I think I think they've, cons- they've, they've really consolidated after the, a bit of a sort of topsy-turvy start and, you know, if they just keep, keep winning the games they need to win, they're going to put themselves right, right in the uh, mix for the, a Champions League spot because... As we all know, this league, uh, no one, no one seems to want, want to, no one, no one wants to break into that top four. Everyone's sort of stumbling at, at, at every point, and none of those, none of that chasing pack is is consistently winning. So if you if you can win all the games you're supposed to win, um, you you put yourself in a really good position to to get that third and fourth spot. Two two teams that um, also aren't consistently winning: uh, Everton and West Ham. Uh, but Everton uh, looked goods in this game um, and West Ham looked pretty abject as uh, Everton dominated them and looked aside pretty hungry to get out of the relegation zone. What did you boys make at this one? I, I, was, I was shocked at what I was watching. I, I, couldn't believe, <laughs> I couldn't believe how good Everton looked and I couldn't believe how poor West Ham looked. So. Yeah, again, these things may be intrinsically leaked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> West Ham were just... They were worse than statues and, and it looked like... And Theo Walcott was... By far and above, like the the most exciting player on the pitch, he, he everything he, he was just dominating in it, and it was like a throwback. He, I couldn't. And, I couldn't uh, believe throw, it. Throwback to when? When, when? when? What was it? The throwback to? The throwback to when he was sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one time. Yeah. But um, you know, he was, he hit the crossbar. He looked so dangerous. That him and Bernard. So I think I think I'll give Michael Silver credit because he he took Sigurdsson out of the the starting lineup and played with Bernard Walcott. Um, Charleston up top and Iwobi behind them, and they looked pretty mobile and, and dangerous. So maybe maybe that sort of impacted West Ham a little bit. But I think I heard a quote. Well, I think this was in our group chat, wasn't it, Colby? That Pellegrini said he would have subbed the the whole team off at halftime if he could. So yeah, that was that was Tommy just informing the the group chat about all, about all of the West Ham quotes. And and Tommy, yeah, actually dragged me to the the pub. Last night to watch this one after our um, after our venture out to watch Western United in the A League and uh, yeah I'm I'm pretty pretty dirty at him for doing so because it was <laughs> sort of rubbish game especially well me. even even Bernard's goal um, yeah. he he didn't want to score like he he turned no, out he was doing everything then, he and, could not to score and then, yeah, and then Roberto the, the stand-in West Ham keeper did the world's slowest dive to get down. <laughs> I thought I was actually watching the replay. Yeah, I thought I was watching the replay, but it was real time. That's not technique, that's just gravity. 
He did. He, yeah, <laughs> it, it was pretty. But he, uh, credit to Roberto, he did make some some good saves. So he was he was he was peppered quite a lot. So he didn't have the easiest day out. Yeah, his, no, his right. defense his defense didn't exactly give him a lot of protection. We would we, we could say that. Yeah. No, no. Um, question: Just if you guys, Declan Rice, I'm I'm convinced. Can we of of what? Uh, well, like, he's, 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 he's here now. He looks like a lad who you don't want to meet. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> um, is he good? I don't know. Um, I, he looked, he of, looked I, quite I, good in this game, I will say. he was he The way he was moving around, he, he looked probably West Ham's best player and only player who could sort of hold their head up after that game. He was actually, you know, within that little corridor that he's allowed to move in, um, which is straight up and down the pitch and, you know, in between yeah. the centre-backs. He, he looked decent. But, um, yeah, that West Ham really need an, a mobile midfielder to sit beside him, which they don't have. No, you, you worry about the long-term, or the longevity for that midfield, but just him and Noble kind of carrying it. I think I think they need something else. And I, 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 I Noble retiring and then Decky Rice getting snapped yeah. up by a big club for $60 million next season. Um, you know, that midfield's going to be completely different next year, I would man say. You, man, you. Yeah. But... Um, I, I think Fornals has really struggled as well. Like he, 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 there were big raps on him coming in, and, and I was surprised they didn't start Yarmolenko as well. So that was an interesting one. Yeah, I think Yarmolenko had a knock, and they were trying to they were trying to nurse him and, and give him some time on the bench, but then real quickly realised that Fornals wasn't going to cut it, and they had to had to get Yarmolenko on. And Yarmolenko did impact the game as soon as he came on. But yeah, I think Fornals is probably going to be a, a one one season in the Premier League type of player. But yeah, I think I think West Ham, you know, if if they if they again want to break into that top six, they've got to beat teams like Everton who are just out of form and 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 you know the pressure was on Silver and if if Everton they, there was a lot of talk about you know if Everton lose a few more games then at the next international break that's when Silver will will sort of be be sacked. But um, you know if if he gets a run of wins now. You know, West Ham played Everton into form almost, and and you know it could be a spring. West Ham have got a very good reputation for for playing teams down <laughs> the last into a bit of form, so they're good like that. But yeah, I mean, as I said, give give Silver some credit for dropping Sigurdsson and and a bit of a more mobile team with with Iwobi playing as the ten, and and we'll see we'll see how that goes. And we give yeah. credit for for Sigurdsson for that goal. That was pretty cool. But he looked that looked like a that looks like a goal where you just turn around to the manager after you score it and um he gave him gave him the eyes because he didn't didn't appreciate being being benched for this one. <laughs> yeah, just to let him know, see it wasn't a free kick. <laughs> Rumor has it that uh, Jack Wilshere is still sliding now from trying to stop Sigurdsson scoring that goal. <laughs> just absolutely put him put him into uh, Liverpool's uh, stadium, I think. Slid all the way across the park. <laughs> all the way across the park, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it might, might be the next time he gets to Anfield, but I don't know. Um. All right. Leicester, Burnley, boys. Uh, Leicester 2, Burnley 1. Um, Burnley open up the, the scoring through a Chris Wood header. Who else? Uh, and the away fans uh, tempted fate by singing Jamie Vardy, your wife is a grass, which brought about the inevitable <laughs> Jamie Vardy equaliser. <laughs> Yeah, uh, great. The, I mean, trying to fire up Jamie Vardy, not, not a good idea. Yeah, he's, he's had twenty cans of Red Bull and a bottle of port. You don't need to, uh, <laughs> not the bloke you want to. Not the bloke you want to fire up and, and get chirpy when your team goes one one nil up away. Um, and so yeah, that they pretty quickly answered the call there. Um, Tillman's ghosted into the box late and, and blasted home what 
um, what ended up being the winner off the underside of the crossbar because uh, Chris Wood had his sort of would have been a last minute equaliser chalked off because of an apparent would have been apparent foul have been. on Johnny Evans. <laughs> Just bungled him over as he was trying to bungle the ball over the line. It was yeah, just smacked of a of a big man with with not very yeah. well, you know just sort of barreling through. An un- ungraceful large man in the box. But yeah, yeah. I mean that's it. That's pretty much exactly what it was. And Chris would look very surprised um, that um, that was being picked up. Um, yes, and it took um, it took Manchester City just thirty nine minutes to open up the scoring against Palace, uh, courtesy of Gabriel Jesus' shoulder. And uh, David Silva quickly made it two. Uh, this one looked like City had plenty of chances to run up the score. They had to settle for just the two, just like the number of tones on their kit. Um, <laughs> just, and they got a clean sheet as well, despite a back line featuring three changes and some bloke called Hernandez who no one's ever heard of. Is that, is that um, right, yeah. Andy? Do you, know, do you know about this guy? Hernandez. Um, sorry, in the, in the back line. Who was in the back line? No, Rodri. Rod- Rodri was oh, Rodri. Rodri, was Rodri. I was looking at the scores for this one and I'm like, who is this Low, bloke? Low-key. Low, oh, no. Oh, no, it's the other Hispanic name. Sorry, Carlos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, no, it was Rodri, Rodri and Fernandinho in the middle. And a return for Ben Mendy out wide and uh, Jacques Cancelo. Yeah. So, I think so, the plan was pretty obvious. We're going to hold the ball all day. Uh, but they did a good job of that, mostly. Yeah, it was interesting. Like I didn't I, even really threaten in this game. No, Zaha just, he had one of those days where he may as well not have been on the field. He was just sort of shaking his head and throwing his arms up and he just couldn't get, he, he, he usually, and credit to him because he usually steps up against the bigger teams and, and makes an impact. But from the sort of the first minute, he just didn't think he was on his game and he was just kind of very frustrated fear and then kind of blunted, um, Wanted uh, Palace's attack. That being said, they did. Um, Edison had to make some her big saves. Yeah, actually, he did. So, Edison made a couple of nice um, ones. Actually. So they did have a few chances, and, and it would have been interesting if they, if they had made it two one just to see how City's defence um, would hold up against the pressure. Um, and even big Christian Penteke uh, nearly scored with yeah, the towards the end of the end of the game. It was funny though because dollar. If I had a dollar for every game that Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, sure. yeah. But uh, jo- John Stones was on the bench. John Stones was on the bench. He might have been at coming back from injury, but it, yeah, he was. it's not a ringing endorsement when you have um, Rodri and Fernandinho playing centre back, and you've got John Stones sitting on the bench. Well, we we were laughing because when Stones did eventually come on, we were wondering if he was going to then be playing in in midfield. He came on for David Silva, and we thought that would that would be really insulting to have two midfielders playing in your position and say, "Oh, let's just shore this one up. Can you go sit in the middle, please, John?" That would also be a super pep move. It would be, but uh, Pep didn't go too pep. He, he did put stones in into defence. I, I said to George, we were most nervous when um, uh, Andros Townsend came on. One, obviously the, the scars of last year's goal, but also his uh, new cool flat top haircut uh, looks pretty sick. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, what yeah, is that man also, doing with his hair? For a bloke that was going bald like three years ago, I mean, you know, get, yeah, get where yourself did that around come his, from? his uh, hair doctor. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's his good genetics. Man's got volume we've now. It, yeah, we've, we've found out he's one of George's Cypriot brothers, actually. Andros, as it turns out, is a Cypriot <laughs> name. It's half, half Cypriot, half Jamaican. Jamaican. So we'll be, uh, I'll be getting around him a bit more often on the on the pod, boys. Yeah, George, you'll have to have to give us a bit of a background on him next pod. <laughs> <laughs> need, a, probably need, a, need a piece dedicated to him. <laughs> leave, leave that to me, mate. Leave that to me. 
All right, boys, quick uh, Champions League preview now. Uh, match day three of the group stage. Um, two, the, the games will be split over two days as always. Um, what are you watching, boys? And um, give us a quick preview. Who should we watch out for? Who's it a big game for and, and who wins? Well, uh, with my uh, Chelsea hat on Colbs, um, I'm, I'm going to have to say Ajax Chelsea um, in Amsterdam. Absolutely crack, cracking game. This this one looks like it'll be. Um, so you, you've got Ajax starting to, to sort of recapture their, their form from from last year, um, and you've got um, Chelsea who need to to need to win as well. So if if you look at Group H. Um, you've got Ajax on six points, Valencia on three points, Chelsea on three points, and Lille uh, without a point. Um, Valencia and Lille playing. So, um, you know, potentially you could have, if Ajax, say, if Ajax beat Chelsea, you've got Valencia, Chelsea, and Lille all on three points, um, and you've got Ajax on nine. So this one is, is sort of going to decide whether this group is going to go down to the wire or whether Ajax will be able to kind of um, push away from the, the rest of the pack. So, um, and, I, and I've been and really... Are you uh, going to this one, George? No, uh, no, no uh, midweek in Amsterdam is a bit dangerous for me, Cole, so I think... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ducking across? Yeah. yeah, no, I don't think I'll be ducking across, <laughs> but, uh, but the... the um, uh, it's, Ajax are, you know, really exciting. The, the uh, Neres and... Uh, um, Hassan Zayic, uh, on the, on the wings, uh, you know, two of the most exciting guys, players in Europe and Van der Beek's cap- recapturing his form from, from last season. So it's going to be a real stern test for Chelsea. And, um, uh, I, I mean, uh, yeah, this will be one of the, one of the toughest games Chelsea's had all year. And, and, um, any chance that Ajax will have to counter attack, they're going to be devastating. So I think, uh, Lampard will, uh, try and employ those tactic, tactics he has has used against Liverpool because it's sort of a, a bit of a similar kind of um, speedy attack and um, Chelsea have done okay against, you know, Liverpool performance-wise, not notwithstanding results. So I think it'll be a really exciting one and I'll, I'll tip in a draw 2-2. Oh, what a game. I think I'll have to get um, around that one. Uh, Andy, what about you? What will you be watching? Um, I'm keen on Inter and Dortmund. Um, again, a decisive game for the group. Inter obviously played really well against Barcelona in their first one, at least for the first 20 minutes, and then ended up uh, losing there. Um, looking at the group, it's uh, Dortmund and Barcelona each on, on four points at the top, and Inter and Slavia Prague down on one. So if, if Inter are going to make a run in Champions League, they, this is a, a must-win game for them. They're at home. Uh, Dortmund uh, are missing a couple of players. They've got uh, Paco Alcacer out as well as um, Gotts, who's out as well. However, Inter um, also missing players, missing um, Alexis Sanchez and um, uh, Stefano Sensi. And Stefano Sensi is probably their best player so far this year. So I think it's been quite open. You know, both teams, Dortmund can go a long way to locking up one of those top two spots if they uh, get a win away at Inter here. Um, and then for Inter again, it's kind of if they if they do want to make a, a Champions League run, they really need this win. Um, they've obviously still got return league against Dortmund and Barcelona as well to come. So um, I think this one will be exciting. They'd love Inter would love to bounce back as well, having gone into Juventus uh, and dropped top spot before the international break in uh, in Serie. So uh, I think this will be a, a good one because both teams need it. 
yeah, and a great um, yeah, great great test for for Conte as well to um, do things in Europe as well as have them challenging again uh, in Italy. I was going to say um, uh, other games that might be interesting as well, Cole. Uh, Tottenham uh, against the, I can't pronounce the, the team name, but the, the Serbian. Uh, it's a Red Star side. Belgrade. Red Star Belgrade. Oh, yeah, I made I made this mistake as well. It's, um, <laughs> On Google, it's uh, written something. Oh, this is this is a Hernandez Rodri uh, type uh, mistake. This is a Rodri uh, <laughs> mistake. So Tottenham, that, this is actually quite a close group apart from Bayern Munich. So you've got Red Star on three points. This is the other game that one. I had penciled down as well. Yeah. yeah, and Olympiacos on one. So Olympiacos are playing Bayern, so you'd probably think Bayern would win that. So um, Tottenham have to actually win this game to get on top of. Um, get on top of Red Star in the group. So, and, and it's Tottenham at well, home again. Well, news so for one... Tottenham as well. They're, they've actually brought back in uh, Michelle Vorm as a free agent. So, you know, you might might be watching out for him uh, in this You're game kidding. as well as they try well, to give Gasanica. A... He's, he's back. Yeah, well, he's back. Well, yeah, Lloris is obviously out for, for some time. So I think they, they probably didn't have a backup. So it's uh, interesting um, that they brought him back in. Uh, Gatineg's got a, always got a couple of mistakes in him, so so does Warris. So, so things don't happen. So does Warris. Well, I, I, if you can remember the last time Vaughn played, then um, yeah, I think there was a mistake in it. That's the last I remember watching him. Yeah, some some big ones, uh, and and obviously on the other side you've got uh, big Milos Degenak. So if he he'll, he'll have a big job to keep Kane, Son, and Lucas quiet. Um, but if he does, I think Red Star will be in with a shot here because um, of all the all the rotating and the dramas that are going on at Spurs, sort of uh, in their in their back line and and the pressure that's going on off the field as well. So because um, Spurs will you know no doubt be distracted by that. So I'm I'm tipping a scoring draw here. I'm tipping a, a one all. Yeah, I, I, I can see that, Coles. I can imagine you've also got a, a keen eye on the, the Napoli-Salzburg uh, game as well. Yeah, I will I will definitely have one eye on that. Um, Erling Haaland, uh, obviously, um, you know, be looking to continue his good run of goal scoring and um, Napoli away, they're, they're, they're pretty strong everywhere, Napoli. Um, so that, there's, that'll there's be a of... quite entertaining game. Coles, there's talks of, um, of Zlatan maybe making a, a return to Syria uh, in a Napoli shirt. Carlo said he was going to give him a call and um, Zlatan said, yeah, I'll, I'm interested. Yeah, he's linked He's linked to a lot of clubs though. So, um, you know, but believe the move when I when I see it. Uh, lots of football uh, to look forward to and we'll obviously be covering it all here on the pod. Um, that's going to do it for us today though. Boys, thanks uh, for joining us, Andy and George. Um, and thanks to the listeners for listening. Um, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also leave us a voicemail on Anchor at any time by going to anchor.fm slash more than a game slash message uh, or slide into our emails at mtagpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, more than a game is also on Twitter and Facebook. Find us on more than a game podcast on Facebook or at mtagpodcast on Twitter. Next week, match day 10 of the Premier League, round three of the A-League, and we look back at the FFA Cup fi- grand final and the Champions League. In the meantime, enjoy the football. Mm-hmm.